Knowledge used to be learned at home. Knowledge was taken away at boarding schools, feared, then silenced. Cauterized tongues, mute. Cemented space between jawlines. Now, knowledge must be taught in school. But they fail to realize we are citizens of two nations. We do not fit comfortably or conveniently within Western civilization. That is not a regret. That is not a regret. Our education journey spans two distinct value systems and worldviews. In that meeting ground lies the opportunity for two cultures to both teach and learn from one another. On today's episode, we speak with Dr. Brad Tyndall, and we discuss how he, as the president of Central Wyoming College, has sought relations with the Northern Arapaho and Eastern Shoshone tribes. This is also the beginning of an ongoing conversation surrounding education and American Indian education. This is Cody Beers with the Wyoming Department of Transportation. YDOT is proud to help bring you the Indian Relay podcast and to partner with the Eastern Shoshone and Northern Arapaho tribes. Our goal is to help keep people safe on our local highways. Did you know that seatbelts are the single most effective traffic safety device for preventing death and injury? Simply wearing your seatbelt in a car reduces your risk of death in an accident by up to 45% and by 60% in a pickup truck. Let's celebrate life. Buckle up for life. The Indian Relay Podcast is made possible by the Institute of Tribal Learning at Central Wyoming College. The Institute coordinates American Indian services through continued education on historical and contemporary issues. CWC proudly serves the two nations of the Wind River Reservation, and through the Institute, they seek to provide positive influences to educate students, along with tribal and non-tribal community members on American Indian issues on a local and national scale. To support the Institute and its mission, or to learn more, email Ivan Posey, iposey at cwc.edu. That's I-P-O-S-E-Y at cwc.edu. Here on the Wind River Indian Reservation, we have stories to tell, history to share, and wisdom to give. On this show, we share the well-roundedness of our people. In that process, we break the mold placed on us and reclaim our identity. Northern Rappo and Eastern Shoshone. We are two nations and one community. This is Indian Relay, a Wind River Indian Reservation podcast. Aba, Bisihi, Nitaena, Jahae, Nana, Sina, Nahinana, Inana. Hello, everyone. Hello, all my relatives. My name is Jahae Black, and I belong to the Northern Arapaho tribe. I want to thank each and every single one of you for tuning in to another one of our podcast episodes. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Indian Relay. You can find our podcast episodes on all podcast platforms. And I ask that you would listen to them, leave a rate and leave a review. We're bringing you guys a lot of good stories and I ask that you would please go check them out. And before we get into the episode, I want to send a shout out to Noah Pakotis and JG Pakotis for providing the music, the original intro song, and the outro song that they have. A lot of good music coming out of their 
DCM Collective and go check them out. They got a lot of big projects planned and it's going to be really cool to see what they do. I also want to say thank you to Mike Chingman and Mike Chingman Photography for providing the backdrop to our Indian Relay logo, which you can see on our social media pages and on the podcast platforms. And I also want to send a shout out to County 10 for being the backbone to this project. I'm very grateful to everyone over there and their whole team. Huh. This is Ivan Posey. I'm uh, kind of the co-host of this uh, podcast along with Jockahay here. And um, as he mentioned, a shout out to uh, people who are making this happen, the people who developed the music. And of course, uh, the, the purpose of us is to uh, educate uh, tribal and non-tribal people on reservation issues. Yeah, and today we're going to be speaking with Dr. Brad Tyndall. And Dr. Tyndall has worked for community colleges for more than 19 years. He has a PhD in economics with specialization in environmental economics and international finance. His master's degree is in agriculture and natural resource economics, and both of those are from the Colorado State University. Dr. Tyndall has been the president of Central Wyoming College since 2016, uh, and Cent Central Wyoming Colleges is about 15 to 20 minutes uh, from the reservation. Um, so, Dr. Tyndall, welcome. We're excited to have you and excited for today's discussion. Thank you very much. I'm so really honored that you want, want me to be on your program. To begin today's episode, can you talk to us how you, as the college president, have sought relationships with the Northern Arapaho tribe and with the Eastern Shoshone tribe and what your philosophy has been during that process? Well, my background has been pretty much trying to bridge and, and, and help all people kind of everywhere. So I was a Peace Corps volunteer and, uh, I learned very much that it was kind of, we share this planet together. And, and more than that, I think all people's matter. And if, if one people thrive, all people thrive. And so, um, I very much believe in kind of the philosophy of the college is that not only on the individual level, you really try to help the person to achieve whatever they want for themselves, but for peoples as well. So when we're looking at the two tribes of the Wind River Indian Reservation, I see very much our mission is to help the tribes achieve whatever they want for themselves, you know, respecting their sovereignty and knowing that if they thrive in the way that they want for themselves, then that's good for them and we're, we're fulfilling our mission, but it's also better for the greater whole. And so I love that I work for a community college because that's kind of what we're about. We're building community. And it doesn't matter what the group is or, the, you know, their vision is you help people advance. And so I take that very seriously. And actually, I see it as very personally rewarding because I do like interacting with people with different cultures in particular because you learn so much. Your worldview shifts when you learn the wisdom of different people. And there's a lot of wisdom from both tribes. And I feel honored that every time people share something, you know, with me. And so it's personally rewarding in terms of the kind of thing, regardless of my job, I like and thrive and are so interested in. It's just kind of wisdom studies, if you will, as you live your life. You just want to learn and understand and understand human nature and people. So it's rewarding personally, but in terms of, as being a college president, 
I see it so important for our, our missions with our, especially within our, our main campus in Riverton, but we have another site, obviously in Lander and Jackson mm-hmm. and whatnot. But, but we are part of the community and, and you can't leave Riverton without getting on the reservation. And so there's this greater community where I want, you know, everybody to thrive and everyone to get along. And that means education. It needs understanding. It means economic development. It means so much. And I think it's, and I embrace that positive challenge. And I think that only good things can come from really embracing working as much as we can with the tribes for the tribes to meet their, their wishes and dreams and the, whatever development means or doesn't mean, you know, helping people become what they want for, for their community. Yeah. It's a beautiful thing. And I'm glad to be part of it as much as I can. Yeah. And on your point about junior colleges, I think that Central Wyoming College has been a pretty flexible way for people to receive their education. I've known some people from the reservation that have taken night classes, that have taken summer classes, they've taken one course per semester. And I think that that's been a pretty good deal for them when they're juggling jobs and family and, you know, community goings as well. Yeah, so about um, half our programs are really designed straight for the job market. They're kind of what they call, you know, our Associate of Applied Science degrees. And then about half our students, you know, transfer on. And, um, and of course, we, we have the American Indian Studies programs if you want to kind of dial in deeper into um, the history and the politics and economic development and whatnot. So we got a whole gamut of things. So some people just say, I want to be a welder. Regardless of your background, that's great. But, you know, I understand you, you went off to a liberal arts school and, you know, we offer transfer classes and we tried to just be the restaurant that offered everything you can to meet people's needs. And I think we got a pretty good product mix. And I think it's, I think we got a pretty good mix and it's gotten better in terms of reservation offerings over the last couple of years. And so I think we're doing a better and better job for trying to serve the needs of, um, a variety of folks, whatever their their personal dreams are, on yeah. the for people off the reservation. Mm-hmm. The college has recently got a new position, which is titled American Indian Student Support. Yeah, yeah. Talk to us about what creating that position was like. Well, I mean, Ivan's going to help me a little bit with this, and um, so part of this is even dreaming. Oh, going back four or five years, and I. I first started the college as the chief academic officer, vice president of academics is what they say. And we sat down with Ivan and some others. It was Scotty Ratliff, and I can't remember. We had different conversations with different people. But along the way, we pretty much knew that we need a, a really strong student support system. Um, and I feel like Ivan could do so much of the talking here, but I'll do my best, but maybe Ivan will rescue me here. But we brought, um, uh, um, I want to the AIO, Ivan, what was that? The Americans for Indian Opportunity. And they did this analysis that basically said the one thing that the college can do so much better is basically provide you know, basic support. And um, there's all the things we needed to do better, too. But one thing that was clear is we needed to provide better, you know, 
case management is kind of the model where every student is, you just track them and you help them and you're kind of, I informally have called this like the mother hen or father hen um, kind of position say, we just need to provide that level of connection and support because navigating the college world is not, not easy one. And then and if life gets in the way, it's even harder. And for all our community college students, not just folks from the reservation, life tends to be the biggest barrier. It's not the inability to write a paper or figure out how to solve for X on another problem. It's just that cars and family and responsibilities and stress and jobs, you know, and we find that in the community college world, we need this student support system and we definitely needed to try to beef that up definitely for um, American Indian students. And so I think it was really, really good. And I don't know if Ivan has anything he wants to add to that, but I think um, maybe he's just going to be a fly on the wall today, but I think we really knew that we needed to do everything we could to provide more one-on-one support for people. Yes, I follow up on that, Brad. I think um, that position was really pushed by our, uh, one of our vice presidents um, of student services, Corey Daly, and if we finally uh, got the opportunity to get some funds to hire that position. Um, unfortunately, you know, that position, uh, the lady who got the position, uh, Rory Tendor, uh, was going to start on the 16th of March, I believe, and that's when the pandemic started. So I guess we're all kind of up in the air in terms of uh, what college will look like this fall, you know, with the pandemic and some of the virus issues, budget issues and all those other things. But uh, it was something that was a long time coming and it was uh, was well supported within um, the college system over here. Yeah, we also got a, so one of our, we have several initiatives that our foundation, our CWC foundation is raising money for and pushing and networking with people and making friends is for um, the Institute of Tribal Learning and our American Indian Studies program. And so within the, this Institute of Tribal Learning, just as we've had a hand in, I'll, I'll take any bit of credit for every good thing Ivan does because what the heck is he going to do? He'll probably just laugh. But um, so really largely Ivan in the Institute of Tribal Learning has been a critical part of working with the foundation to getting the funding to get that position paid for for, for several years. And um, so, so really thank you to Ivan and the great work he's done and in building, building this Institute of Tribal Learning and getting us that position. Corey, you know, uh, Dr. Daly, definitely very supportive, has, has been wanting this position but, um, you know, thank you for Ivan for really, at the end of the day, when someone makes a donation, they're doing it because they believe in somebody. And that particular person believes in Ivan and what he's doing. So that's a really, a lot of the credit, frankly, goes to um, Ivan Posey here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and touching on the comment you made about you know, our Native students needing the support because, you know, they're dealing with life, with job, family, whatever it may be. Um, I think that's why a position like this is really important 
um, especially when kids are in an academic setting that I think can be a little more westernized or maybe faculty may not quite understand where these kids are coming from. Um, so to have someone that can be an ally, an advocate, and someone to talk to is definitely important. I remember when I was... No, in, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say everything you're saying too, but I want to hear your story. So what was your experience? Yeah, so I'm, I'm particularly thinking back when I was in middle school. Um, I went to Arapahoe School. Um, and, you know, I want to preface this by saying that my goal isn't to to bash any educator. I think all educators are important. Um, but I also think it's important for educators to know their students and to understand where their students are coming from and to work to know what the students are dealing with uh, and to know their history. Um, and while I was at Arapahoe Middle School, I think, you know, there were a few teachers that failed to do that. I think, you know, I've been... We're talking earlier, and he said at 4 o'clock, it was almost like a fire drill. Everyone just kind of left. So for some of those teachers, it was go to work, after work, leave. Next day, go to work, after work, leave. Um, and I think that some of the teachers expected their students to fit in a particular box that wasn't a box made for them. They wanted their students to act a certain way when the reason they wanted them to act that way is because they weren't understanding of who these kids were. They weren't understanding of, you know, what kind of family situation they may be coming from, um, their history. And I think if those teachers were more familiar with that information, they would be able to be more lenient with the students. Um, last year at the Native American educational conference that they had. Uh, yeah. One of the keynote speakers had a really good point. Um, and she was talking about a zero tolerance with Native students and how a zero tolerance offers no growth. And I think while I was out there, um, and again, I want to I point out that what I'm saying is not a reflection of Arapahoe School District 38. You know, it's just a few of the teachers that I encountered right. while I was there. Um, but some of them didn't offer any growth, and some of them were in a zero tolerance in which when a student would act out or a student wasn't following along in a lesson, I think instead of coming from a point of understanding and thinking maybe I should teach this lesson different or maybe the student has gone through something recently, you know, it was immediately, all right, you're in timeout leave the office, go to the principal's office. And yeah, so that right. was, that was kind of my experience, you know, I think. Sure. You I know, think, my experience is, is um, I interrupted you. I'm sorry, go ahead. I was gonna, yeah, I was just going to, a little bit. Yeah. I was just going to say that I think zero tolerance approach uh, doesn't offer. Yeah. It just doesn't offer growth for the teacher or for the student. Right. No, and there's one thing we've learned as, as a college is that, you know, in um, for both tribes, a funeral is a big deal, as it should be. So I live, you know, in 
North Africa for about four years and lived in East Africa for over a year. And I found that that, um, so the Ethiopians, um, and I have two kids that are half Ethiopian, they, um, the, the side of the family is when there's a funeral, it is a, it's a sitting, they call it. And it's you sh- the, the man or woman, they shave their head, they wear black for a year. It's, it's activity after activity and it's crying and moaning and it's, and it's this, this thing, right? And so every society has a different sense of things like funeral. And I think that, you know, and there's so many different aspects of European American society, Irish, you know, let's say they're different from the Scots or whatever. But in, from my personal experience, the funerals are kind of a quick one and done, like, you're in and out, and it's always felt to me personally like that is not enough. My dad died. I need a week, his life, you know. Yeah. And so I know that as an institution, when um, our tribal students will have a funeral, we kind of like, oh, it's a day. Or like, you know, I think that when you're busy processing life, it's hard for us. And I think we have to do a better job to stop and say, listen, this is expectation that you come to the school the next day and all is good. And, you don't talk about the death. Um, a lot of the world says that ain't normal. <laughs> and we mm-hmm. can, and so this is one of them, you know, about the lenience thing. It's like, and I'm guilty of that myself. There's times I'm like, well, okay, it's enough already. I mean, it's not for me to decide when, how the griefing goes, but I did learn that a big lesson for me was that culture shock is a huge thing. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think the culture shock for an, uh, our native students is harder than a culture shock from someone who comes from, let's say, like Kenya or Russia or South America. Because when you come from those distances, people kind of say, oh, this has got to be different. We kind of give people the space and the latitude, the lenience kind of word saying, like, I know you're different because you came from another country. But I found that culture shock from my experience is worse the closer the cultures live together. So culture shock is unmet expectation. So if somebody comes from Kenya and they're not eating the way you want to eat or something like this, and you're just going, oh man, my expectations. For one thing, you don't have a whole lot of expectations from people who are far away and totally what you think alien to you. And so you don't actually have that many unmet expectations because you're fine like saying this person's from far away I'll give them a lot of latitude. I don't know what to expect. But I think what happens with um, the Anglo population is we kind of expect that the Anglos are going to have the exact same Mm. thoughts and behavior. And then when those expectations aren't met, people get mad. That's culture shock. You're angry. And I think culture shock is so much more... I mean, the expectation of, no, I'm sorry, it's one day and the funeral's over. What's up? What's wrong with you? But if they had come from, oh, I don't know, a tribe from Botswana or something, people would say, like, cool, man, I'll give you some space because I don't know what to expect. But if you're from the reservation, oh, come on, man. The expectation's mm-hmm. the same, right? And I think we have this really, and it's probably really, really hard for our Native students because there's this a lot of culture shock from their angle, too like the expectation and if they're like, wait a second, that ex- what's going on? So I think there's this lot of, it creates a lot of angst and judgment because it would almost be easier if we came from different planets and we come and say like, I have no expectations whatsoever. I got to be really open here. 
but because we think that we have to be exactly the same and we don't get exactly the same, people kind of get frustrated and whatever. Mm-hmm. And I think my lesson is that we have to be more diligent. And I think that you're onto something, you know. Yeah, that's a that's actually a really good point. Um, and I'm thinking also that a lot of the youth now, you know, are we're in a position of reclaiming and revitalizing um, and learning because of all of the, you know, attempt at cultural erasure that happens. So not only are our youth continually learning about their tribe and learning, you know, their language and learning who they are as an Arapaho person or as an Eastern Shoshone person, but to the point you made, when they are in that setting in which they're expected to act this completely different way than who they're learning they are, then I can see why that would cause a lot of internal clan conflict or maybe some confusion. Um, and really, if that's the environment that they're in, that can probably hinder their ability to learn, I would think. Oh, I think absolutely. And I think it's subtle for people that think, I don't really get it. It sounds like, you know, touchy-feely talk here, but it's so real and powerful at the end of the day. If you're not clicking with your teacher because they're not really on the same page as you are about, you know, dialing into the fact of what elders may think, and I have a very superficial understanding of both tribes. So, so these are just kind of my shots at trying to understand. But if you're just kind of teaching things the same old way and not contextualizing it, mm. usually a good teacher is like reading their faces of their students and and they're trying to connect with their reality. And it's easy to connect with the reality. You'll say, hey, we're doing this video game. We're doing that. And you're going like, you're not really touching the fact that their home is maybe with their elders and their grandma and all this. And you're not, you know what I mean? Then the, the, the learning doesn't take place. I wish my wife, the second grade teacher on the line right now, but so much it comes down to if you have a relationship connection with your students, a true one, learning flourishes. But if it's just transactional, here's the facts, King, here's the homework assignment, transactional learning doesn't go far. And I think that's that's the problem that we're seeing is that it's if you're just presenting information and you're not connecting or tying it to the reality, and there's not this emotional connection. Because also, if you care about somebody, you listen better. And if you feel like they love you in some way, they care about you, you listen more, right? And mm-hmm. so that the human connection is so critical. And if it doesn't take place until if the classroom is like a transaction, well, yeah, it's not great learning. A little bit off the change a little bit here, uh, Brad, but I wanted to really discuss um, or have you discuss uh, your efforts and your, the current position of the college. And, you know, you've been, I know you've been the, a big champion of tribal relations, um, your support yeah. to help create and implement the Institute of Tribal Learning, the speaker series yeah. that we've done the last year and a half, um, just meeting support with the for- tribal councils and yeah. And also the uh, memorandum of understandings we have with both tribes to yeah. work together and to uh, in your efforts to create CWC Wind River. 
those are a lot of topics, but I'll let you go ahead and uh, start with whatever one you want to start with. Sure. How about I'll do kind of like a, an overview, kind of a little bit. So first thing um, I wanted to do was establish memoranda of understanding with both tribes. I learned that lesson when I worked for San Juan College in New Mexico. And we when we had the, when we worked on the, the reservation, the Navajo Nation, we had to we had to have a airtight in the MOU and understanding and show respect of you know we're we're serving the vision of the tribe and and doing classes and whatnot and it's not saying no you know it's, and frankly I learned the model and it was a good model and it helped me you know the Peace Corps volunteer just to see that you know sovereign nation what do they want how I'm I'm here to serve I'm a servant leader kind of a thing but I need to have clear boundaries and understanding and demonstrate that I can respect the, the desires of the tribes by having a memorandum of understanding. What's the deal? What's the understanding? So getting that set up was really, really important. I also saw that the um, Northern Rapala tribe pushed, and, they, and it was open to both tribes, uh, you know, the tribal college. And I wanted to respect, and whether you're a Peace Corps volunteer or a president of a community college, if people have a vision, you want to help people advance with their vision. And so trying to work, you know, to support um, a couple memoranda of understanding with the tribal college of, you know, we had articulation agreements and things like this, really to be very respectful of the tribes and believing and knowing that when you're honest and transparent and you're, and you're just trying to do help any individual or tribe flourish, that you believe that that will result in good. And so the memoranda, I think, were really important to basically say, I, I get it. The college gets it. And so then the broad things that we've done since then, of course, is kind of in the non-credit world of such as this, uh, this podcast is kind of reaching out and doing this understanding, kind of not kind of the non-credit, but very important educational piece. And the college does do credit, non-credit, all sorts of things. So the Institute of Tribal Learning under your leadership, Ivan, has really grown and done good things. We had the Nations Within the Nation speaker series, Powell and Jackson um, here, obviously worked with the, um, the, um, the United Tribes Club, um, like I said, this podcast, bringing in consultants and giving advice and so much more. So that's, so that's the Institute of Tribal Learning and Ivan Posey. And then we had this really good academic program under the leadership of Dr. Trissa Spoonhunter and really trying to help that work as well. And the big news in that range is we now have a Bachelor's of Applied Science in um, um, Organizational Management and Leadership with an emphasis in tribal leadership. And so those are folks who want to see and help their tribes learning all the ins and outs of a very complicated legalistic, cultural, financial, natural resource complexities of, of developing a reservation and even the concept, what does development mean? It doesn't mean like, you know, just more money kind of thing. It's kind of a, a richer understanding. And so having a good program is important. And actually that being a first bachelor's degree is very much in thanks to the business councils. So when we were in Cheyenne, um, 
working to get um, legislative approval for the community colleges to be able to do the VAS. The tribes were there in the building, showing up, standing up in, in the committee and speaking in favor, produced um, um, documents, you know, of support, endorsement. And Ivan, of course, you had a big role in that too, in terms of your relationship with both, both tribes and business councils. And so together, we've created this, this, this great degree and we're very, very excited about it. Now, COVID is throwing a wrench in everything. You know, I don't know how our numbers are going to turn out this fall, but the whole world is turned upside down with this coronavirus. But so that was a big thing in the, in the academic world is this Bachelor of Applied Science and this um, tribal leadership emphasis is, um, is huge because if you want, in my mind, foundationally, and this has come from my Peace Corps days, the first thing you need in developing, no matter what your vision of development, what it means, but the foundational thing you need is leaders. If you're talking about the founding of the United States of America, you could say, well, we had rights and we had this, we had that. I go, yeah, but none of that would have come to the surface if you didn't have good leaders with good ideas. So fundamentally, you can't get anything unless you got people with ideas and, and they got some smarts and the balance and a holistic understanding. And so this tribal leadership thing is it's foundational. I would argue like step number one for a bright, good future for both tribes because you need good people making good decisions. And then they can sit and figure out about land tenure issues, like how do people own land and how do you build on things that belong to the tribe? And yeah, smart people can figure anything out. And so, and then you think, oh, that's right, property rights is important. But I would argue that foundationally leadership, so this is huge. I think this is really, really huge. And, you know, someone may say, oh, it's just a new degree at the college. No, I think for the tribes, this is, this is big. This is big news. And so then, another big piece, of course, is we want to deliver more coursework on the reservation. And so those MOUs, Memorandum of Understanding, um, allow us to basically have a cost and revenue, revenue share model so that if enrollments go up, both parties get more money. <laughs> Yeah, problems go down. We kind of all kind of suffer, but it's um it, it's a shared project, and I think that's a, that's a good way to go, especially when you're working with um with sovereign nations, and 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 they 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 got skin in the game, you could argue, but they got heart and soul in the game, and it's and it's the, their people. So how we you know we definitely I can't see a better way of doing it than you know through a good partnership. So. So you've heard me say we got this new Bachelor of Applied Science degree, tribal leadership emphasis. We got um, EWC Wind River. That's where we're offering more classes through these memorandum of understanding. And we have Institute of Tribal Learning. And of course, we got the new newsletter, which there's a lot of things like that Ivan has started this. We have a newsletter called Pathways for the Institute of Tribal Learning. This podcast um, has I think the college has just been able to be a cheerleader on some of these things. I don't think the college can take much credit. I think Ivan and, and Zach O'Hay can, but <laughs> I can't. But we're definitely supportive of these type of things. And so there's a little bit of a lay of the land that we did hire that new um, student support person to, to try to do that. And we're trying to do more, you know. And so we're, I think, as a good partner, we have to listen. And a lot of times, Ivan and Teresa Spoonhunter are the 
people that bring good ideas that we try to implement. And I want to thank Teresa so much for that BAS. I mean, she really, she sat down and did a lot of the curriculum design herself with, with Mark Nordine, or Dean. And um, so my job in the college is to support our people to help um, the tribes reach towards the dreams that they, that they develop and have for themselves. Yes, I think with the BAS program, and you know, you had a lot to do with that, Brad. I mean, um, we all know the history that it sat on a sat in committee, our group setting for years. And I remember you said, "I'm just going to ask for it, and we'll <laughs> go through that process." And it happened. Yeah. So, you know, like uh, yeah. some people say, yeah. it's going to work out the way it's supposed to. And I think that's uh, a big deal here for. The relationship between a college and a reservation is the ability for uh, people to get their four-year locally. Yeah, no, I think that's that's huge in the history of the college. I look back and my name will be forgotten, which I think is great. I kind of I believe that you know if you're trying to get fame and accolades, it's it's usually bad. And but I well personally, I'll look back and say, yeah, I'm I'm. A, president who brought in the bachelor's degree and and hopefully people reflect i'm hoping someday at least you know when i'm long gone someone will be sitting somewhere you know around the campfire or a sweat lodge or saying you know that brad Tindall guy was all right he was good he was good for us you know i'm hoping and that'll be enough for me <laughs> yes and I'd, I'd like to follow up with that too brad is uh you're doing a great job in terms of tribal uh college uh, relationships uh, of course we got you know enrolled members there who are uh, uh, we got Dr. Teresa Spoonhunter who's our professor of American Indian Studies and we have Willie Nosip who's the Vice President of Administrative Services um, of course a lot of the, the backbone of the work is uh, obviously by your staff you know Vice President um, Dr. Kathy Wells has been supportive of all these efforts. She's so great. She's I really great. I feel really good about the way the things are going between the tribes and the college. So I'd like to thank you too. Thank you. And I mean, even, I, you know, I feel like we're a mutual admiration society today, but you know, I, I recognize that um, for me to be culturally appropriate, and sometimes I just don't know what I don't know. And, uh, and uh, I don't want to do any missteps I want to be respectful and so I haven't even very good in terms of helping me be the kind of president I'm trying to be in relation to the tribes and so personally thank you yeah um and I think other non-native education educators can you know see that and follow in learning and follow in understanding and you know maybe implementing some new ideas in the way they approach they're teaching. So I'm hoping that all the educators listening to this will, you know, keep an open mind about those types of things. And right. I think discussing native education, you know, can go on and on. There's so much to dive into and we're going to have more episodes about it, but I think this was a good entryway into the discussion and shout out to Dr. Teresa. Um, I know she's doing a lot of work, so eventually we She's great. Yeah. We're lucky to have her. Yeah. I don't know how many, how many uh, Native American PhD scholars in the field. They're out there. There ain't many. 
and we got one and she's good. And, yeah. And so and, and she's, I'm she's, really, I, I'm grateful for Ivan and Teresa. I'm, yeah. I'm lucky, you know. I think I know that the efforts of Central Army College, and we'll see where the pandemic takes us in the future. Uh, we don't really know those steps for sure, but I know we're the only community college in the state of Wyoming that are doing the things with tribe with the tribes and tribal issues locally and nationally. So that's something to be proud of, uh, Brad. Thank you. And I'm just, things are working. And so thank you, thanks and gratitude and blessings to everybody and good luck to us all moving forward. And I think if we have empathy and understanding, um, we'll all grow together in all this. And so I have high hopes for the future. Yeah, absolutely. And Dr. Tyndall, thank you again for your time. Thanks for, sure. call, My thanks pleasure. for calling in. Uh, stay safe. And we look forward to speaking with you further and working through CWC more. Okay. Bye-bye. We want to say thank you to Brad Tyndall for joining us today. And I also want to send another thank you to County 10, to Porters here in Riverton, Wyoming, and to Noah Pakotas and J.G. Pakotas, a.k.a. Just James, for the music on today's episode. I also want to send a thank you to you, the listener, for listening to another episode of Indian Relay. I want to ask that you would go follow us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook at Indian Relay, and just start to engage with us. And if you have any topic ideas or anything that you would like to cover, please don't hesitate to send us a direct message or comment on one of our posts. We've already had a lot of people reaching out, and we hear each and we hear each and every single one of you, and we appreciate you all. You can also find us on all podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and the 10Cast Studio. And you can also find the podcast episodes on IndianRelay.com. So please go check out our shows, listen to our other episodes, leave a rate and review and subscribe. When you rate and review us, we're able to reach more people and it really helps our growing. And, you know, we're sharing a lot of great stories here and more people will be able to hear these amazing stories. I want to say thank you again to the Central Wyoming College and the Institute of Tribal Learning for helping us with this podcast. I appreciate all of that. And with all of that said, I have nothing else to say. So, uh, hey and ha-hoo. This is Cody Beers with the Wyoming Department of Transportation. YDOT is proud to help bring you the Indian Relay Podcast, and to partner with the Eastern Shoshone and Northern Arapaho tribes. Our goal is to help keep people safe on our local highways. Did you know that seatbelts are the single most effective traffic safety device for preventing death and injury? Simply wearing your seatbelt in a car reduces your risk of death in an accident by up to 45% and by 60% in a pickup truck. Let's celebrate life. Buckle up for life.